praise God. While we were still dead in sins, amazing grace. While we were stuck in the miry clay, amazing grace. While we were messing around, doing all the sorts of ungodly things, amazing grace. God's grace is so good, amen. You know, we're gonna, um, I'm gonna preach a slightly more difficult sermon today. And one thing you're gonna need to remember is God's grace as I preach it today. I wanted to sing Amazing Grace. I knew we got a tough sermon. And, uh, and, uh, and at the other end of what's tough, listen to me, here, listen to me, listen to me. We're gonna go up a mountain and it's gonna be hard work for a moment today. But we're gonna come down the other side and on the other side, there's healing and there's restoration and there's hope and there's joy and, and, and there's, and there's uh, reunification and, and God's gonna do a lot of great things, but sometimes before we get to a blessing, we gotta go on a journey first. And so I wanna encourage you in Audubon as well, uh, just stick with us, stay with us. All right, I wanna encourage you online, don't turn it off because there's great news at the other end. But today we are going to go on a bit of a journey and, uh, and it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be fun uh, and hard. Uh, it's not going to be your typical love month um, introductory sermon, um, but it is going to be one of the best uh, messages for your relationships that you could get today. Amen. And so, by the way, if you're new, I want to welcome you to church. My name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm glad you're here. I love you so much. And... Uh, and uh, I want you to know that we've got a free gift for you. So on your way out the door, please go to our New People Lounge and just grab your free gift. Uh, we've got a t-shirt for you. It's pretty sweet. It's a good one. Um, we didn't just get the, the, you know, that, that, that sort of cheap shirt for you. We want to bless you with the good stuff. And we want to be the most generous church that you've ever been to. So, so it starts today with your gift as you walk out the door and it just gets better from there. Uh, also... Um, uh, if, if you need any help, uh, find someone with a yellow shirt, all right? Um, they, can do all, they can work all sorts of miracles in your life, right? You may be here and, and you're like, well, too late today. Uh, but next week, if you're new, right, and you see someone with a yellow shirt and you want a coffee, you want a latte, you want a cappuccino, you just ask a yellow shirt person and you know what they'll do? They'll go get it for you. But you know what yellow shirt people can do? They can jump the line. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And you know how great this church is? All the regular attenders are all about it. They're like, it's fine. If the yellow shirt person's there, they're hooking up a new person. We want to welcome our new people. Next week, they can wait in line. But today, you get a free coffee. You get it quickly. It's on us. And we won't even get mad at you for sending someone to the front of the line. But seriously, the yellow shirt people, they got anything you need, any, any help, any questions, they got you, all right? Someone say, I got you. got you. The yellow shirt people have got you, all right? So, hey, we're going to read from Genesis 13, verses 1 to 4. We are not in our Genesis sermon series today. Um, we are actually uh, in our Love Month sermon series now. Um, and, um, but I am, but this portion uh, and the previous story are just so perfect to set up our Love Month sermon series that I'm going there today, Genesis 13, 1 to 4, and I will in a few weeks preach from this passage of Scripture again, uh, but right now, um, but right now, it's just the greatest setup for what I want to talk about today. So, all right, so Genesis 13, verse 1. Uh, so Abram went from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, um, and lot with him into the Negev. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. I lost some myself. Oh, and he journeyed on. There we go. Uh, from the Negev as far as Bethel uh, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. And I love that and I can't wait to talk about that in a few weeks about when you mess your life up going back to where it all started. Amen. Uh, it says, uh, to the place where he had made an altar at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, before you take your seats, I want to pray for you today, um, but I want to set this up for you. I want to explain something to you. We are in love month right now, and, um, and I'm not just here to tell you how to love, all right? You need to love, and it's going to be lovely, and love your neighbor, and love your mother, and love your father, and 
children, love your parents, that it may go well for you. No, no, like, or, or respect your parents, right? Honor your father and mother. Like, I'm not here to do that. Not just that, the, though that's good. I'm not here for the cliche, love your neighbor sermon on repeat. Um, though that is an important message, we can address portions of that um, <clears throat> later on this month. But I'm here, I wanna declare to you right now something I heard from the Lord, that this month we are going to see your love relationships strengthened in Jesus' name. And we're gonna see marriages strengthened and the chains of bitterness and unforgiveness broken in the name of Jesus. We're gonna see friendships healed uh, uh, this month, families restored as fathers and sons and mothers and daughters are reunited. And so what I wanna do today before I even get to preaching is I wanna pray for those who are in strained relationships. Uh, Perhaps uh, uh, it's a business relationship or a coworker. Maybe it's a a relationship, uh, husband and wife or father father, son, mother, daughter, whatever it is, if, if there's a relationship in your life that has stress, drama, causing you anxiety, something you wish was better, you want it to be better, maybe someone who's been estranged from your life, haven't talked to them for years. And um, I really believe that God, uh, God is, can, can help that can restore that relationship today. And a lot of that's gonna happen this month. And so I wonder if you could lift up your hand if that's you, I wanna pray your hand. And, I'm gonna pray and believe that there's a new day coming, amen. And so, Heavenly Father, I'm asking that as we step into this new series today, that as we journey through Love Month, I pray that You help us to open our hearts to the possibility and the promise of healing and of restoration. Lord God, even, even those in good relationships to the, to the promise of maturing, the possibility that we could grow in our relationships and in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we'd see marriages strengthens fathers and sons reunited, mothers and daughters reunited, friendships healed, co-workers uh, restored, Lord God. I believe that You can do these things and I can see it, Lord God. And, and, and I just pray for it. I ask for it, Lord, that in this room that those uh, who have lifted up their hands and have said that their relationships need some work, that, that You would help them to receive Your Word, to receive the promise of restoration and of forgiveness and of healing. And God, where they need to do work, where we need to to do work. Help us to receive the call and do the work, Lord, and <clears throat> where we need to rest in You and trust You, Lord God. Help us to trust. Help us to, to calm our hearts, to receive peace and to keep the faith and to press on in Jesus' Name. And Lord, I ask You to help me preach Your Word today, Lord, because I don't want to be seen as some famous. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be seen as a healer, Lord God. I don't want to be seen as, as the true God. I just want to be a man point on the stage, just pointing to the healer pointing to the way, pointing to the truth, pointing to the one who restores, the one who heals, the one who reunites, Lord God. And I pray that today your people would see the truth of God in a world of lies. Help us to receive your Word, to live it, to experience it in our lives, I pray. In the Name of Jesus, someone say Amen. Amen, 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 Amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, but you not as much. Don't say that, I'm just messing around. Y'all ready to have some fun today? All righty, all righty. Hey, uh, just a little quick, um, oh wait, I just lost my mind for a second there. All right. Hey, as we, uh, as we were planning Love Month and as I was preparing the direction that we need to take, I asked the Lord, what messages do you want us to, to do this, this month? Because I don't just want to be like, love, 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 all the time, Lord God. I, I want to know, Lord God, what messages will actually help people in their love relationships today? What will strengthen good ones and restore broken ones? And I just felt the Lord was leading us to talk about four things, and that's repentance, forgiveness, Love in the church. Now, I'm not saying uh, that that one's not gonna be about loving your neighbours. It's not gonna be about loving the community. It's not gonna be about loving, it's gonna be about love in the church, amen. Uh, By this, they will know you are my disciples that you love one another, talking about the church, all right? So we're going to talk about that. And then with the last one is about being authentic. And that, so that one's gonna be titled, Sorry, Not Sorry. It's a, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm sorry about things that I'm not sorry about uh, and all that sort of stuff. And so um, 
And so today we're going to look at um, we're going to look at repentance. We're going to look at being sorry. And uh, last week, I'm sorry, last uh, two weeks ago when I preached last, uh, we looked at Abram and how not too long into his faith journey he totally messed up. Right? He treated his wife like a hooker. He didn't stand up for her at all. He basically failed miserably in his ethics uh, and as a man and as a husband. Now to be clear, Abram or Abraham, as he becomes known later on, is an absolute hero of the faith. And he did do a lot of great things. Um, and, uh, and, but like all of mankind, he also made some mistakes, just like you do and uh, just like I do, right? Uh, but this particular moment in his life that we talked about two weeks ago uh, was not a shining moment of, of righteousness uh, or, or of holiness. Uh, this was a mistake. And so today I want to talk to you about saying sorry. I want to walk us through the proper steps of a proper apology, all right? Um, because something I couldn't shake out of my head this week was how did Abram and Sarah move past what just happened in Egypt? Because that was a mess, am I right? Right, that was a mess, right? Like, like oh, oh, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall of that chariot as they were burling on out of Egypt, listening to Abram try to justify himself, try to make some sort of excuse. Oh, how I would have loved to have heard that apology, right? See, they were traveling out of Egypt pretty quick because Pharaoh made it clear that I'm sending some henchmen to make sure you, uh, you people actually leave my country. You're nothing but bad news. And so they were both on their way out. You know that they were thinking about how bad that was, but they had to travel together with each other for 460 miles. And that's just to get to the Negev. That's not even Bethel and Ai. Uh, that's about minimum Sorry, that's at least 30 miles a day because remember they didn't have a, a, a car, they had a chariot. It's about 30 miles a day for a couple of weeks and who knows, that's a long time to not talk about that mess, right? Like some of us can't drive to church together without, and we're like, oh, we got to talk about how angry we were leaving the house before we come to God's house, right? And these guys had to go like 460 miles with horses. Oh, you must have been able to cut that tension with a spoon. Right, just pop, gone, right? Like, like it must have been hot in that chariot. I just imagine Abraham in his cart or on a horse or whatever, knowing at some point, I gotta talk to her about this whole thing, about what I just did there. And instead he's like, oh baby, look at that beautiful lake over there. She's like, I don't care about the lake, all right? And he's like, you know what? Hey honey, are you cooking dinner? No, I know I'm cooking. She's like, yeah, you're cooking. You cook from now on. Do you need me to clean? No, yeah, you're cleaning from now on, that's your job now, right? Like it must have been a mess, but at some point he's got to apologize to her and to God for what he just did there. And it's the same with us. If we wanna move forward in our relationships and you might be like, well, I didn't turn my spouse into a hooker. Good, I'm glad don't. But no matter what it is in your life that you do, how many offenses you have in any relationships, if you want to see healing after hurt, we gotta step up and take responsibility for the messes that we've created in our lives. Too many people don't actually take any responsibility for their actions. Instead, they just make excuses, excuses, excuses. And instead of apologizing uh, to the victims, they ridicule the victims more by acting like they're the victim, right? And we have this woke therapy culture now where, 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 where they just sort of, now, now I'm not against therapy, all right? Therapy's all right as long as there's a plan for, for an end of the therapy, right? What I can't stand is this whole uh, needing this man or this woman in your life for the rest of your life, right? Like they're a crutch, they're, they're this thing you have to have or you just can't survive, right? Like, no, 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 therapy, good therapy, it has a purpose and the purpose is healing. Not, not a wheelchair. The purpose is a healing in your life, right? But we have this, I feel like um, that, that if Abram was alive today, instead of apologizing, some woke therapist would have explained to him that, well, Abram, <clears throat> it's not your fault. 
You acted out of a pattern of learned behavior that begun with your father and the way that he treated your mother and other women. And Abraham would have perhaps gone to Sarah and been, been like, well, Sarah, honey, I know that it didn't go well for you and you're probably angry at me right now, but what you need to understand is this is just how my family operates and my father he also didn't hug me enough when I was six years old and he worked so much that I never saw him and I I remember this one time where he was going to come and hang out with me because he got off work early because it was it was the patriarch's day and 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 so he came home he had a day off and and but he didn't come home because he went to to hang out with his other wives and their kids and in fact Sarah aren't you one of his other wives kids like I think you took my father from me I never learned how to be a proper man because you took my daddy from me it's your fault. I'm sorry that, 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 this, that this history of our family hurt you, but it's not my fault. I'm just like this, right? Like, I feel like that's sort of what we do these days, you know? Or, or maybe you'd be like, it's Pharaoh's fault. If Pharaoh didn't have such a lustful, wandering eye, then I wouldn't have had to tell him that you're my sister. And anyway, I did this for us. Yeah, some things happened, but you're alive, aren't you? Aren't you glad you're alive? She'd be like, honestly, I probably would have rather be dead at that moment, right? Like, and he's like, well, maybe it was culture's fault. You know, I grew up under the patriarchy and, and I know the patriarchy's not healthy. And, you know, it's this system of oppression. Um, I've been oppressed and hurt people hurt people. And, you know, and, and all of this, is, it's just someone else's fault. Or maybe it was some historical sin or some historical injustice. And, and our culture is teaching our young people to find as many points of victimhood and excuses in their lives as they possibly can. Find excuses for your behavior instead of actually fixing your behavior. Find an excuse for why you're unemployed instead of fixing what's wrong, instead of becoming employable, right? Blame the system, blame the patriarchy, blame masculinity, blame the parents. Oh, if my parents didn't this, if my parents didn't smack me, if my daddy didn't tap my shoulder and then he wasn't even there, he was on the other side. Like, sorry, Harry, sorry, Megan, it's not daddy's fault. Like even in this world now, we've got billionaire princes and billionaire actresses telling us how they're such victims. Oh my goodness, it's my parents' fault, it's the monarchy's fault, it's, it's, it's my gender's fault, and blame everything and everyone that you can, so you never have to feel bad about the fact that you sucked at your job and that's why you got fired. <clears throat> if you would just take responsibility, you could start fixing the patterns in your life. If you just take, hey, maybe you were fired for some reason, it's not your fault. I would much rather assume that I can do better next time so that I try harder next time and become more valuable next time to my employer than just be like, well, I don't know what it is, but it's like every employer just has an attitude against my gender. No, if you were decent at the job, at some point, someone ain't gonna fire you. All right, come on now. But instead, our lives are so good that we are searching for injustice and victimhood everywhere. Like how good is your life when the worst thing that could happen to you is somebody misgendered you? My name's Jesse, and my whole life people think I'm a girl until they meet me. I got a girl's name in Australia particularly. There's like two other male Jessies in the whole country. You know, I didn't sue them. I didn't cry. I was just like, oh yeah, I understand. It's a bit of a girl's name. We'll be right. Like how good is your life when you've got to create a fence? Somebody, look, you told us there was 140 flipping genders. How the heck am I supposed to get that right? Right, is it tattooed on your forehead? 
No. All right. Like, like how good is it? You know, this stuff doesn't happen in the slums of India. I've been there. Why? Because they're too busy trying to stay alive to make up injustice. Everything that goes wrong, it feels like, is blamed on our gender or our race or our national origins or our weight. Now we have so-called oppressed people fighting each other over who's more oppressed. Well, I'm this race. Yeah. Well, I'm this race and I'm a woman. Well, I'm that race and a gay woman. Well, I'm this race and a gay trans woman. Well, I'm this race and a gay trans woman from an underprivileged neighborhood. Well, I'm this race and a gay trans immigrant woman from an underprivileged neighborhood. Well, I'm also that race and a gay trans immigrant woman from an underprivileged neighborhood and I'm overweight. I'm the most oppressed and if you don't cuddle me and affirm my victimhood, then you're a racist, sexist, transphobic, privileged, xenophobic, immigrant, hating, weight, shaming bigot. Look, I'm sorry if it makes you feel bad, but you're gonna keep feeling bad until you fix what's making you feel bad. Come on now, look, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you, until you change your life, you'll still keep feeling bad. And telling everyone off because they misgendered you or something. Listen, number one, there's only two genders, male, female. But that's a sermon for another day. But listen, listen, uh, uh, trying to find all these intersectional moments of victimhood in your life. It's not going to get better at all. Yeah, somebody, you might sue somebody get some coin, you'll burn through it quick because easy come, easy go. And your life will be way worse at the other end of it. If you want your life to be better, fix what's wrong. This search for intersectional victimhood is one of the most foolish and ungodly things in our culture right now. Maybe something did happen in my life, my family or my past, but I will not be a victim. I'm not gonna spend my life being a victim. Nah, I'm a victor in the name of Jesus. We got this new version of scripture, right? It is for victimhood that Christ has set us free. No, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen. It is for freedom. And I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you that until you admit what you've messed up, until you admit that, that, that you did the crime, until you admit that, 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 that you said what you said, that you were lazy or that you were this or whatever it was that it was, until you admit it, you're not gonna move forward in your life. It will be one step forward, three steps back as you just keep perpetuating the same cycles of victimhood that you have brought into your own life and, and, and you need to stop it. Look, yeah, I wish that those that, that the things, because again, some of us had things happen to us, right? My life hasn't been all, all rainbows and fairies, all right? There's been hard stuff. And I wish that those things didn't happen to you. I wish your uncle didn't do what he did to you. I wish your father was home, was there. I wish your mother was home, was there. I, I, wish, that they, I wish that they didn't do what they did to you. I, I wish you weren't a victim of some crime at some point. I wish those things didn't happen to you. And I pray and I believe that you can find healing and freedom in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <clears throat> but, but listen, though some bad things happen to you that are not your fault, regardless, your choices are and always will be your responsibility. Always, always. Don't let the world keep you stuck in victimhood. Jesus died and he rose again, alive, working in your life to make you a victor, not a victim. Do you want a better life? Then you gotta admit your faults and learn. You gotta stop blaming everyone and everything else or nothing will change in your life. <clears throat> you can wish that I was wrong, but look at people's lives who actually take responsibility for their lives versus those who don't. Their lives are better healthier physically even, right? From every area of your lives, healthier physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, relationally, if you take responsibility. So here's step one in giving a proper apology. I will take responsibility for my actions. 
We are not animals ruled by our basic instincts. We're not animals running around unable to take our thoughts and our desires captive. No, look, the animals, when God created the animals, they were good. When God made you, he said, you're very good, all right? We made this place very good. Animals are just good. They're just all right. They're just over there, right? Like we're not animals ruled by our basic instincts. If you think that, that you have to live in a cycle of perpetual victimhood for the rest of, the, of your life, if you think that you, that you can't control it, then you're saying that you're an animal. But we have a choice. We don't have to run around controlled by our desires or instincts. We get to choose what we will do. If you messed up and hurt your wife or your husband, your kids, family members, friends, employers, employees, co-workers or whatever, you did that, you hurt them. Admit it. And you can take responsibility and you can fix it. I don't say this to be mean. I say this to tell you it can be fixed. The relationship can be restored. Don't make excuses. Don't be the victim. Don't blame your dad. Admit it. And then step two, say the words, I'm sorry. Apologies without I'm sorry are not apologies. Just FYI. I regret that happened. That's not an apology. I'm sure you do regret that happened. Are you sorry you did it? Come on now, right? Right? I'm sorry. Now, Scripture says to confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Now, we don't have to confess our sins to one another for God to forgive us, all right? The Scripture doesn't say that. That's Catholic and it's garbage, all right? <laughs> scripture says to confess your sins to one another that you may be healed, that you may move forward, that you may have traction in your life and get past the things that you did wrong, right? And so we ought to do that. And, and this particular Scripture isn't saying that you need to go to the person that you hurt, but that you should uh, talk to a brother or a sister, a pastor or a leader, and share uh, your sin, your struggles and ask them to help you overcome them, then they'll pray for you, they'll advise you, they'll help you. But there is also a command in Scripture to go to the person. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What's he saying? Don't keep coming to church week after week after week, lifting holy hands in worship, giving your gifts and your offerings, amening the sermons while you know that you did something to hurt somebody else and you haven't even attempted to make it right yet. That's what he's saying. Go and say, I'm sorry. It's not, well, someone hates me because I won't affirm their lifestyle. It's not that. It's not they hate me because I preach truth. It's not that. It's not they just don't like who I, no, no, no. It's talking, did you do something specifically that was ungodly that hurt somebody else and now they're holding it against you? Stop just coming to church every single week and not living it. Actually go and say, I'm Sorry. Actually, go work. Let me paraphrase. Today, you're hearing the message. Before you come back next week, start the process of repentance with the person that you hurt. You may not be able to meet with them. They may not respond to you, but you can still send the text message. You can still buy the plane ticket and hope that they'll be there in a couple of weeks. You can make the appointment, then come to church next week. But when you get there, when you see them, when you talk to them, take responsibility and say, I'm sorry. Can I get an amen? Don't go in and be like, you treated me like garbage and so I punched you in the face and I'm sorry. So I'm sorry I punched you in the face, but when you were telling those your mama jokes and you said that my mama is so nasty that the trampoline used to be called a jumpoline before my mama jumped on it, that just really triggered me and so I punched you in the face. No, we gotta avoid the temptation to make excuses in our lives. Amen. Step three, I will avoid the temptation to make excuses in my apologies. Can someone say amen? amen. Told you it was gonna be rough today, but there's healing at the other end. You ready for it? Now, you may go in there and you may want to say because you and when you and how you and, and yada yada. No, no, let them address what they're sorry for. 
all right? You, you, this is not us going into defense. We don't have a suit on, that's for court, right? We're, we're not going to court, we're not trying to defend ourselves. We're going in and, and we're telling the person, I'm sorry for what I did. Let them be sorry for what they did. And if they take responsibility for what they did, great. If they don't, whatever. I can still heal and move on because I took responsibility for my actions, amen? Just say, I'm sorry, I lost control, I punched you in the face. Be humble, right? I don't understand what it is with people. We, we freely admit to everybody that it is by grace we are saved, but we kind of like get really nervous to admit that we've ever done anything that actually required grace. Right? Like, like no one's saved without grace, all right? Y'all jacked things up. We all did it. I did it. You did it. Everybody's made mistakes. Come on, just be humble. We all need Jesus. Don't be proud. Don't, don't refuse to apologize. God resists the proud. And because we were made in His image, we tend to as well, don't we? So be humble. Make the apology without excuses. Are y'all ready for the last point of my sermon? All right, you ready for this? Step four, change. Don't do it again. Stop doing it, all right? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, stop it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, cross that out. No, but seriously, if we really are sorry, if we really are not making excuses, if we really are taking responsibility for the actions in our lives and the things that we've done wrong, then we need to make a change, right? Oh man, Christianity's gotten weird these days though, hasn't it? Oh, this fake kind of no cross to carry Christianity where everything I do is awesome when you're part of God's team, you know, like, and I'm so amazing and, and nothing I ever do is sinful unless, I, unless it's me judging you, calling your sin sin, then I'm in sin for judging your sin. That sin counts, but no other sin counts, right? Like everybody's like, don't judge me. Stop judging me. And I'm like, well, they're, they're like, the only sin you're allowed to call out is this apparent sin of judging people. So if I'm judging them, they're like, don't judge me, that's sin. They're allowed to call that sin out, but no other sin's okay to talk about at all. Just the sin of judging, right? Like, sorry, but the Bible actually says a lot about judging people, like a lot. Actually, it says more about judging than not judging. Hello, right? And uh, so I got distracted actually when I was writing my sermon this week uh, around this point here and I spent like five hours writing a whole nother sermon on why Christians need to be more judgy. For real, I'm like, man, Christians need to judge more. You know, and uh, because the Bible talks, now it's not saying you're a jerk, it's not being mean, it's just pointing out, you know what, as a society, let's not do this and let's not do that and let's not do, but let's do what's right, let's do what helps, let's do what heals, let's do what restores, right? So that's going to be a great sermon. It's going to be great. But I don't understand this new Christianity now, where it's, you know, like everything I do is fine and there's no cross to carry and I'm gonna keep sleeping around and I'm gonna keep getting drunk and I'm gonna keep looking at porn and I'm gonna keep lying and I'm gonna keep cheating and I'm gonna keep gossiping and it doesn't matter, none of it matters. It's all just Jesus loves you and no other scripture matters at all, <clears throat> right? Like I, I, I get attacked so much on Twitter and Instagram, it, it, it's fun. Um, you know, it's fine if I say some kind of, some kind of, you know, ungodly thing. Um, sorry, it's fine if I call out judgment. You know, if I said like, look, hey, just don't judge people. Then they're like, so nice. Yes, I wish I went to your church. But if it's like something else, like, you know, hey, maybe don't get an abortion. That's not godly. They're like, stop judging. Don't judge. Jesus says to love. Pastors just need to tell people that Jesus loves them and that's it. And I'm like, really, that's it? There's nothing else? Because I'm way overpaid then because I do so much more than that. 
No, your job is just to tell people Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you and He loves you and He loves your little baby and He loves you and He loves you and He loves you and He loves you and hey, down the back there, Jesus loves you as well and Jesus loves everybody and I hope you all come back to church next week because I've got a great sermon prayed. Hint, it's about how much Jesus loves you. It's gonna be amazing, right? Like he just loves you, and and then and next year's sermon calendar. Where's my assistant? Not in here. We can just plan it right now. We don't need to sit down. We don't need to work. We don't need to pray. We don't need to read the Bible. We can just in in January love, February love, March love, love, uh, uh, April more love, and then and then after that we can just do eight more months of love. I mean, so much easier. You can stop paying me. It's like eight bucks a year is about all you need because I just got to say the same thing on repeat. No, there's so much more in the book than that. So much more. So much more. What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God. It's not just feel His love. Come on, the greatest, come on. What did they say, Jesus, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. He didn't say, just feel God's love. Just sit in it. Just, just know who you are in Christ. No, it's love the Lord your God. And then he says, and if you love me, you will obey my commands. What's more important than love your neighbour? Love God, obey God. What's more important than feeling His love, knowing who I am in Christ, love the Lord your God and obey His commands. Now, if you're new, He for sure does love you. Just wanna put that out there. He loves you a lot, all right? And, and he says it and, and I preach about it and, and I do tell people how much Jesus loves them and I love you too. And, uh, and I just wanna clear that up in case you're new and you're like, wow. No, 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 He loves you and that does matter. And, 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 and I'm gonna keep telling you how much Jesus loves you even when you mess up, that while you were dead in your sin, Christ died for you. He snatched you out of the miry clay. He loves you. But you cannot keep ignoring the call to change your life. I feel like this is how people repent to God these days. They're like, sorry, God, thanks for forgiveness. Now I'm gonna go cheat on my taxes, but I'll chat to you afterwards. I'm gonna need your forgiveness again. Sorry, God, I cheated on my tax, but I'm gonna go cheat on my wife right now, and, and, but I'll talk to you afterwards. I'm gonna go look at porn right now. I'm gonna go lie right now. I'm gonna go gossip right now, uh, but, but I'm gonna come back to you afterwards. No, that's not repentance. Now, yes, after salvation, we still need to make changes. Sorry, after salvation, we still make mistakes in our lives. Absolutely. Yes, after God forgives us, we'll still mess up. I still mess up. Pound sign me too. <laughs> Look, it was a pound sign long before it was a hashtag, all right? <clears throat> Anybody else, right? And now everybody knows dude's at least 40. <laughs> but listen, repentance means turning away from my sin. That means I'm making an effort to change my life. I'm not just gonna sit back and make excuses for my behavior. I'm not asking for forgiveness and salvation with no desire to change my life and honor God in my life. I'm not gonna do that. Yes, I may still mess up in my life, but I'm certainly not gonna plan on it. We don't repent and plan to continue doing what we repent of. We don't repent and say, God, you can have every area of my life, but this area that I know is ungodly, that the Bible says is wrong, I don't care. No, we don't do that. We don't say sorry without a desire to change our lives. Sorry, God, please forgive me, but don't you tell me to change. That's not what a loving God would do. 
Love doesn't want to see my life healed. Love doesn't want to see my life better. Love doesn't want to see my life lined up with God's Word. Love is tolerant and love is blind. Love does not correct wrong or notice sin. Love rejoices at wrongdoing and never speaks the truth. Love does not correct or teach, but always affirms and applauds. Love is love. No, it's not. Love is patient. That's what gives us time to grow and not stay the same. That's what gives us the opportunity to see our lives transformed even though we don't instantly become perfect, but we start working on our lives with the power of God and a heart that wants to grow. Love is patient while we go through that journey, absolutely. What's patience? It's waiting. Waiting for what? Growth, change, something different. I don't have patience to sit there for nothing. I'm having patience expecting something to happen. Love rejoices in the truth. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus welcomes me. Yes, Jesus paid the price for our sins, but God wants you to grow. It's, the, the Word of God is not just Jesus loves you. It's not just a love letter from heaven. Okay? There's more in it than just that. Here's some more. <clears throat> I've got like eight scriptures out of thousands. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. What's that mean? Well, I was lazy. I got fired. If I keep doing that, next I'm going to starve and that's worse or I can fix it, do better, and not get fired next time. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So yes, Jesus loves you, my friend. Yes, Jesus welcomes you. Yes, even if you sinned on your way to church today, even if, you sin, uh, even if you've been sinning in here by calling me a jack donkey the whole time I'm talking about this, <laughs> you're still welcome here in God's house. It's not my house, it's His house, and you're welcome in it. Yes, He loves you. Yes, I love you. But He loves you too much to leave you stuck in your sin, experiencing the same pain and brokenness of being a slave to sin. And I love you too much to not share the truth with you too. In fact, He commands you to stop behaving badly and He offers you help in overcoming our sin. Because part of repentance is a desire to stop the sin, saying yes to the change that He offers, yes to the help that He offers. See, seeking victory is part of repentance. And listen, so it is with our human relationships too. I want to end where we start. Real apologies come with a desire to do better, okay? Don't get so sorry to your husband, to your wife, without ever wanting to fix what you're saying sorry for. As I think about Abram's apology, which frankly, I'm confident he did not do it right, because bro did it again in 20 years, but he lived for like 230 or something, I can't remember, 226 years or something like that. And at this point, he was 75, and then he was 95 when he did it again. Uh, that's still in the life. You know, it's like being like 30 now, right? But what he should have said is, with no excuses, with no context of the fear that he had, just the truth. When I got scared, instead of trusting God, and instead of being the man God called me to be, I put you in harm's way. Everything that happened to you was my fault, and I am sorry. I hope someday you'll find it in your heart to forgive me. But whether you do or not, I will never treat you like that again. I'll be the man that you deserve, a man willing to protect your beauty and honor your heart. I will do better. I'll go to men's breakfast every single Thursday morning and get around godly men who will help me and help hold me accountable and sharpen me like iron. It's a real apology, my friend. So if God is speaking to you today about an apology that you need to make. Make sure that when you do, you also commit to them and to their Father in heaven. 
that you're going to do better. What do I mean their father in heaven? See, the person that you hurt is God's son or daughter. You're refusing to apologize to one of God's children. I was, um, you know, recently one of my kids said something really nasty to Zoe, one of the boys did, and in front of me, and I heard it, and I was mad. And I said, that's my daughter that you just said that to. And they were like, and I'm like, and in that moment, they didn't need to be, it wasn't about, you're my son. No, it's that was my daughter you said that to. Would you say that in front of any other man's daughter? You will not do that again. In the same way, this person that you've refused to apologize to is God's daughter, is your heavenly father's daughter, your heavenly father's son. Ask God to help you say sorry. Perhaps you'll make the change by putting guardrails up in your life, perhaps by asking them or a brother or sister in Christ to help keep you accountable, perhaps by going to rehab or getting counseling that has a purpose and an end date. But if we want to make a change in our lives, one thing we for sure should do is come to an altar and ask the Holy Spirit to come and transform our lives. Amen. Do you need to say sorry? Did you hurt somebody? Are you the one who needs to give an apology that you've left sitting on your shelf for a few weeks, months, or even years? Perhaps you've said sorry, but you're still doing the same stuff over and over and over and over and over again. And God's saying, it's time to change the behavior. It's time to stop the sin. Amen. It's time to stop that. Is it God? Is God the one that you've repented to, but then had no desire to actually change what you're doing wrong? You're like, God, I'm sorry I got drunk last night. I'm going to do it again tonight. But I'm sorry I do this stuff in my life. Not an apology. Just telling him what you've been doing, what you're going to do. That's just a conversation, right? Now, listen, I'm not a big um, put the fear of God into them preacher. But I'm going to put the fear of God into you for a moment. Can I do that? Anyone heard of the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the Bible? Give me a wave, right? Like, Like, I hate, that's a stupid story. Like, I love the word of God. But that, like out of everything in the Bible, that story ticks me off the most, right? It's like, it's in the wrong spot. Like it's, that's a Genesis story, anybody else, right? Like that, that there is a Genesis story. And, and I'm, I'm always like, God, why did you put that in the Bible? Why is, this, why is this stupid story in the New Testament when it clearly belongs in like Malachi or, or like in, in, in like Exodus or just somewhere else? Why is it here? I literally have prayed this. I'm like, what does it deal with this story? You know, I can't really drag any theology out of it. I've tried. The only thing I can figure out is this. Now, I don't know about you, but I often I'll say stuff like, man, thank God for the cross. Who says that? And thank God for the cross, right? I say things like, man, the dumb things I've done. Thank God I live this side of the cross and God's not going to punish me or God's not going to kill me for anybody else, right? Like I say that. And I don't always even add the Ananias and Sapphira story on the other end. I'm just like, thank God for the cross. But the story of Ananias and Sapphira makes me go like this. Man, thank God for the cross. I thank God that, 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 that even though I sin and I mess up and I do stupid things, that God's not going to kill me. But He might. <laughs> and that's what Ananias and Sapphira does. It reminds me that he's a holy God and he hates unrighteousness and he hates unholiness. Now, look, I'd love to, I've always wanted to, you know, I've not always wanted, but I've wanted, you know, like it'd be nice if maybe the story was, you know, because we're in the middle of a capital campaign and they were in the middle of a little similar kind of campaign and Ananias and Sapphira, they're like, you know what? Um, we're going to sell our house and give everything to the church and then they didn't do it, and then God killed them. And, uh, and I'd, I'd like to be like, the moral of the story is, when the church is building a new building, give all your money to the church or you're dead. But it's not that. Pity. But it's not that. 
We have people try to explain it away. They're like, he didn't kill them. He just took his hand of protection off their lives. I'm like, no, it says he killed them dead and didn't even raise them up to life. And I killed them dead. And I think it's this. Don't just keep going on sinning and saying, thank God for the cross. God's not gonna kill me. Is he mine? Is he going to? Nah. But he might. You hear what I'm saying? Just reminds us who he is, what he can do, and what he hates. Unrighteousness, unholiness, greed, evil, all these other things. I say that to say this. Don't keep doing these hurtful things in your life. Don't keep doing the things you always did. Don't keep harping on about the woke folk while completely ignoring the gossip in your heart, the bitterness in your soul, or the pride that keeps you from apologizing to one of God's children. If they're a Christian, that is. They're one of God's children. Or one of God's creation, if they're not. You can break free from that addiction. You can fix your marriage. You can get closer to your spouse, even if you're old already. You can be restored to your children. You can be restored to your parents. If they're still alive, it's not too late. Sin is not a family tradition. You can humble yourself. You can live in freedom tomorrow. The cool thing is, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've put it off, you're still welcome. And it's not too late. Grace upon grace. Grace. Upon grace, morning by morning, there's still grace. You still, you can still change your life. You can still get better. And I want to encourage you that if God is beating in your heart because there's an apology you need to make properly, or there's a change you need to make in your relationships, or there's a change you need to make in your life because you've repented to God without even repenting, If that's you, I wanna encourage you today to come to the front in a moment for prayer. And that's why I told that fear of God story. Just to remind you, I love you, grace upon grace. God's not gonna kill you. He's not gonna punish you. Jesus paid the price. But Ananias and Sapphira is in there. And at some point, you might wanna take it seriously and actually fix that thing in your life. I'm not going to ask you what the thing is. When you come down here, I'm not going to be like, is there an apology you need to make? Who to? What'd you do? I'm not going to be like, what sin are you still doing? No, it could be that you just have made peace with gossip. Prayer request gossip. You know the ones? It's telling you so you can pray. No, you're telling them so you can say. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's cheating on your taxes. Maybe it's some addiction. Well, today, let's fix it. And I'm going to open the front for prayer in just a moment. And uh, in, in about five minutes, I'm going to talk to people who are away from God. Right? I, 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 want, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. But right now, God just wants to minister to the saints. And so right now, we're going to pray for people who need to make an apology. And God's going to give you the wisdom and the strength. Or people that need to make a change. And God's going to give you the wisdom and the strength. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.